With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everyone. This is Saturday, October 5th, 2019, and welcome to episode number 175 of the WCWS Radio Network's weekly review show. This is WCWS Power Hour. Once again, this is Mr. WCWS Chad Henshaw back on the line here with you as we get set to talk about, of course, everything that uh, took place this week here in the radio network, of course, especially with the fact that this was a huge week, of course, in the world of professional wrestling, and we'll talk more about that here in just a few moments. Of course, the rest of the panel, way too tough to handle, of course, or at home or at other, uh, taking care of other responsibilities here, as, of course, also, they're also getting set and prepared for, of course, uh, WWE's uh, next installment, Hell in the Cell 2019, and, of course, we'll do some more talking in about this as well, as, of course, we all know what's going to be the full setup here as to as to of course how it's going to take place of course tomorrow night but we'll talk we'll go in a little bit more detail in about that here in just a few moments <clears throat> but if you care to listen in on everything we talk about here today which of course will include our history wrestling history and birthdays for today and also some wrestling news tidbits courtesy of our friends at 411 mania please feel free to give us a call here 1-605-562-0444 caller id 141-364-POUND, and press that one if you want to chime in on anything and everything that we do talk about here this evening. Let's go ahead and not waste any time here, folks, as we get started with our wrestling history and birthdays here for today, October the 5th. <clears throat> and so we see we go to 23 years ago today, but at, uh, yes, 1996, ECW presented Ultimate Jeopardy from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia. And here are the matches that took place here. Louis Spicoli defeated Doug Furness. Mikey Whipwreck defeated J.T. Smith. Taz defeated Johnny Smith in a submission match. The Eliminators, John Kronos and Perry Saturn, defeat the Samoan Gangster Party, Mac Daddy Kane and Sammy Silk. The Gangsters, Mustafa and New Jack versus Stevie Richards in the Blue Meanie, went to a no contest. Of course, it was also for the ECW World Tag Team titles. <clears throat> Uh, but also, but the gangsters, the form once again of Mustafa and New Jack, defeated John Cronus and Perry Saturn, the Eliminators, to retain the ECW World Tag Team titles. The late Bam Bam Bigelow did defeat the late Terry Gordy. Devon Dudley defeated Bubba Ray Dudley. Sorry about that. Shane Douglas and Pitbull number two fought to a no contest for the ECW World TV title. And the Sandman and Tommy Dreamer defeated Brian Lee and Stevie Richards. Richards replaced Raven, whose ECW World Heavyweight title was at stake. Since Sandman got the pinfall on Richards in the match, he became the new ECW World Heavyweight Champion. The match would air on the October 8, 1996 Hardcore TV 
which is a link right here on this page where our history of birthdays is via the WWE Network, if you care to listen in on that. Folks, uh, let me see here. Uh, Yes. On this date in 1997, the following following did take place uh, per this video. Let's play this and you'll get what we're talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Last night, yesterday afternoon, Brian Tillman was found dead in a hotel room in Bloomington, Minnesota. He had competed the night before in St. Paul. This tragic occurrence, obviously, has shocked all of us here in the World Wrestling Federation. So with that in mind, the WWE superstars have put aside the personal differences for a moment. As we would ask you as well to please all rise, please stand. And as we told the bell ten times, out of respect, to the late Brian Pillman. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, as we said, on this date in 1997, <clears throat> Brian Pillman sadly was found dead in a hotel room in Bloomington, Minnesota. Just hours before WWF Bad Blood was set to air, he was only 35 years old. And, of course, as you heard the video there, born May 22, 1962 in Cincinnati, Ohio, Pillman's athletic career began not in a wrestling ring, but on a football field. 
He played college football as a, as a defensive tackle for the Miami of Ohio Redhawks, who at the time was called the Redskins, where he set the school record for tackles for loss. He roommated with John Harborough, of course, at the time, to, at the time, of course, three years ago, was the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. Despite being a second-team All-American twice, he went undrafted by the NFL and signed with the Cincinnati Bengals as an undrafted free agent. He won the team's Ed Block Courage Award in 1984, but was cut following the season. He tried catching on for the Buffalo Bills in 1985, but was cut just before the season. He played for the Canadian Football League's Calgary Stampeders in 1986. Late in the year, Pimlin began his wrestling career for Stu Hart Stampede Wrestling. He and Stu Hart's son, Bruce, would form Bad Company and would win their tag team titles twice, from April 1987 to July 1988. To get Pillman over as a face, <clears throat> Pillman had his girlfriend, Trissa Hayes, portray his sister so he could come to the rescue of heel wrestlers taunting, ta uh, <clears throat> taunting her. Of course, Trissa Hayes, by the way, is best known as ECW's Beulah McGillicuddy. Pillman returned to the States in, in 1989 and wrestled as Flying Brian for WCW. He was nicknamed Flying Brian for his innovative, of course, for American audiences, Lucha Libre style offense. Much in the way Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty was doing for the WWF. Pillman would hold the United States tag team titles with Tom Zink for a few months in 1990 and would win the WCW light heavyweight title in 1991 and 92. During that period, he feuded with Barry Windham and took on the Yellow Dog persona after leaving a Loser Leaves WCW match. Brian turned heel in September 1992 after an injury forced Brad Armstrong to vacate the light heavyweight title. He would chase the NWA and WCW tag team titles, first with old rival Barry Windham, then stunning Steve Austin's one half of the Hollywood Blondes. The duo won the titles in March 1993 from Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas and would feud with the Four Horsemen for the spring and summer. Their brash attitudes and outright mocking of the horses made the duo quite popular, but the duo would split later in the year. After spending part of 1994 in ECW, he returned to WCW as a face, but eventually evolved into a tweener. He and old rival Arn Anderson teamed up and feuded with Rick Flair during the summer of fall 1995. Flair would recruit Sting for their battle with Anderson and Pillman at Fall Brawl 1995, but it turned out to be a ruse. Pillman, Anderson, and Flair, along with newcomer Chris Benoit, would form a new version of the Four Horsemen. His erratic behavior and strength, which began to develop around this time, would be a part of his new loose cannon gimmick. In February 1996, Pillman and Kevin Sullivan fought in a strap match where the loser would acknowledge defeat by saying, by saying their respect, they respect their opponent. The match went less than a minute before Pillman said, I respect you, Booker man outing Sullivan as a booker for WCW. Eric Bischoff fired Pillman following the event, but I believe he would return to the company after some seasoning with the new gimmick. It didn't quite work out that way. Pillman left for ECW, and then eventually he went to the WWF. After spending a couple of months wreaking havoc in ECW and never wrestling a match, he was in a single car accident that shattered his ankle and put him in a coma for a week. While recovering from his injury, Pillman signed the first guaranteed contract in WWF history in June 1996. Brian would do commentary for the company before transitioning to a wrestling role late in the year. He would take part in one of wrestling's most infamous angles, Pillman's Got a Gun, on the November 4, 1996 Monday Night Raw. Brian's old tag team partner, Steve Austin, looked to take out Pillman for good after damaging Pillman's ankle with a chair a few weeks earlier. But Pillman was prepared as he prepared, pointed a 9mm pistol at the intruding Austin. No shots were fired, but a few expletives were definitely went off. The WWF and Pillman both had to issue apologies. The next week following the event, Pillman would be a part of the last incarnation of the Hart Foundation in 1997, feuding with Austin. Even Pillman was in the midst of a feud with Goldust and Marlena sat when he, at, at the time of his sudden death. Scheduled to wrestle Dude Love at Bad Blood in Your House, Pillman was found dead by hotel maids in Wilmington, Minnesota, at the hotel he was staying at the previous night. Despite alcohol and drugs being found in, in the hotel room, an autopsy, an autopsy revealed that it was an undetected heart condition that contributed to his death, the same condition that led to the death of his father. 
Uh, Pillman, of course, at the time was survived by his wife, Melanie, two children, one born after his death, and two stepchildren. Pillman's stepdaughter, Alexis Reed, sadly was killed in an automobile accident in November of 2009. Speaking of... Speaking of bad blood, ladies and gentlemen, of course, 22 years ago, 1997, WWF presented Bad Blood in Your House from the Keel Center in St. Louis, Missouri. Prior to the show, Vincent Mann announced the sudden passing of Brian Pillman. The show featured the first ever Hell in a Cell match, the debut of Kane, and was the final pay-per-view of Vincent Mann as the WWF's lead commentator. 21,151 were in attendance with about 240,000 homes watching on pay-per-view. Though some estimates have it at around 215,000. Here are the matches that took place at this event. Nation of Domination in the form of Rocky Maivia, Colin Mustafa, and Dilo Brown defeated the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal, in a handicap match. Max Mini and Nova defeated Tarantula and Mosaic. The Godwins, Henry and Phineas, defeated the Headbangers, Mosh and Thrasher, to win the WWF Tag Team titles. Owen Hart defeated Farouk. To win the vacant WWF Intercontinental title, the title was vacated by Stone Cold Steve Austin after a neck injury forcing to vacate the belt. A tournament was commissioned to crown a new champion. <clears throat> the Disciples of Apocalypse, Crush, Chains, Eight Ball, and Skull defeated Los Bariquas, Salvio Vega, Jesus Castillo, Jose Estrada Jr., and Miguel Perez Jr. Bret Hart and the British Bulldog defeated Vader and the Patriot in a flag match. The match could be won by pinfall submission or capturing their country's respective flag. Hart pinned the Patriot to win the match. And Shawn Michaels defeated The Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell match. And that was when, of course, Kane debuted. Uh, let's see. 20 years ago today, 1999, at a spank down taping in Uniondale, New York, Darren Drozdov was seriously injured following a botched powerbomb by D'Lo Brown. Darren would suffer two fractured discs in his neck as a result of landing on his head Initially, that an injury that initially left him a quadriplegic. Brown attributes this to a freak occurrence, saying it could have happened to anyone on any given night. The match never aired, and no video of the actual injury exists. Though Drozdov being taken out on a stretcher became a part of the WWF's "Don't Try This at Home" public service announcements for years. Following the accident, mm. He was, a, he was a contributor for WWE's website and their internet program, Bite This. As of 2016, he lives near his family in New Jersey, and he requires 24-hour care. Uh, let's see here. Also 20 years ago today, 1999, lead WWF writers Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara signed with WCW. This comes two days after Russo, on behalf of the duo, resigned from the WWF. The decision allegedly came down to a wanting of reduction of workload with what WWF introducing SmackDown just over a month earlier. The story, in part, is written in the October 9, 1999 edition of Pro Wrestling Torch. Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara, the two scriptwriters behind the rise of WWF Raw to the top of the cable TV ratings, jumped ship to rival WCW. The sudden move initiated by Russo blindsided Vince McMahon when he returned from the Europe pay-per-view on Sunday night. Russo, unhappy with the workload placed upon him since the debut of SmackDown two months ago, contacted WCW last Friday. Less than 48 hours later, he was in Atlanta, Georgia, inking a two-year contract to become the head booker. His job title is technically creative director, which in essence, according to Russo, gives him 100% creative control over WCW storylines and TV shows. Bill Bush, who replaced Eric Bischoff the month, uh, month prior as the corporate head of WCW, is the only person Russo has to report to. When Russo told Ferrara on Saturday he was negotiating with WCW, Ferrara told Russo that if he was jumping, he wanted to jump with him. WCW signed the foot as a package deal. Russo informed McMahon of his decision to leave the WWF on Sunday night via telephone in a torch talk interview with Russo on Tuesday afternoon. Russo said he regretted having to inform McMahon by phone, but logistically it was impossible for, for him to see McMahon in person before the Monday morning production meeting he was scheduled to attend, McMahon had just returned from Europe and Russo had just returned from Atlanta. The 45-minute conversation ended on a somewhat cordial note, but overall was tense and at times combative. Russo believes McMahon is bitter about his and for our sudden departure. Russo defends the timing of his actions, citing that he had already provided complete scripts for Raw SmackDown for this week. He did not give McMahon two weeks' notice, but McMahon did not have him signed to a contract. 
Thus, the given nature of the position Rousseau held, McMahon assuredly wouldn't have wanted him in any WWF advance once he had agreed to join WCW. And of course, sources sources in the know said they were responsible for upwards to 75 or 80 percent of the booking of, of the entire company. Mr. McMahon had gained such a, such a trust in Russo that he has never been less involved in booking the WWF than in recent months. Sometimes McMahon didn't even read Russo's script or raw or make changes before letting it play out on live television. The reaction within WCW to the signing of the Russo-Ferrara team is excitement from most circles. Russo initiated contact with WCW on Friday, letting them know he wasn't working under a contract with the WWF and that he was frustrated with the working conditions. Within hours, he was on a flight to Atlanta, Georgia. He met with w new WCW Vice President Bill Bush, Bush's boss Harvey Schiller, and president of TBS and TNT, Brad Siegel, over the weekend. Sunday afternoon, he signed a two-year deal. Dollar figures were not released. The best guess is based on the salary structure of WCW and Turner Broadcasting, peg his salary in the $200,000 to $300,000 range, likely a slight raise on what he earned in the WWF. The primary concern about whether Russo can be as successful in WCW as he was in the WWF is that in the WWF he had the freedom to push the envelope and use adult borderline R-rated themes. Turner TV standards are much more strict than USA Network. Although Russo says he can work around the current Turner standards and use a more sophisticated approach to get in across adult themes in prime time. Russo did not attend Nitro in person that Monday, but he did watch the show. He said he sees a lot of room for changes, stressing the complete lack of internal logic to the current booking. He says he'll make gradual changes over the next few months probably not begin until after Halloween happened. One of his early goals was is to talk to Bush and Siegel about getting Nitro cut back to two hours and Thunder cut back to one hour. Russo has a good relationship with Kevin Nash, taking back to their days in the WWF, but no history with Goldberg, Hogan, or Ric Flair. Part of Russo's motivation for initiating the move to WCW was a lack of recognition McMahon gave him publicly. In the IPO documents, he wasn't listed as a primary employee. In magazine interviews, McMahon never mentioned Rousseau's name. As time went by, he grew frustrated. Primarily, though, the addition of SmackDown to his workload doubled his hours. He wanted to be able to spend more time with his family, and McMahon didn't seem receptive to adjusting his workload. While some of the wrestlers' fortunes, especially those on the undercard, improved under Rousseau's booking, ratings ultimately did not. They stayed consistent with what they were doing during the spring and summer. The crash TV format that helped the WWF's resurgence turned, a lot, turned off a lot of WCW fans whose less entertainment and more wrestling on their and more wrestling on their wrestling shows. Russo was relieved of his duties in January 2000 after suggestion suggesting that former UFC fighter Tank Abbott be WCW World Champion. When a booking committee led by Kevin Sullivan did worse, Russo was brought back in April. Russo would be relieved of his duties a second time in October of 2000. This time he was sent home for good. Let's see. 19 years ago today, put it at the year 2000, Anibal Gonzalez Hernandez, of course best known as Juventud Guerrero, was arrested following an incident at a hotel lobby in Australia. He was charged with three counts of assault, disorderly conduct, obstruction, and drug possession, likely ecstasy, which was found on him at the time of his arrest. He would plead guilty to two counts of assaulting police and was fined over $3,000. He avoided jail time because it was proven he was the sole supporter of his family. WCW sent him home following his court appearance, and it was subsequently released. Uh, 18 years ago today, 2001, Vince Russo announced that he was going to retire from wrestling when his Time Warner contract expired in two days. Russo at the time was booking for Australian promotion World Wrestling All-Stars. In an unsurprising swerve, he did not retire. In fact, he joined TNA less than a year later after the brief stopover back at the WWE. He's still very much in the business as of 2016, doing a daily wrestling podcast for Podcast One, which I think he still does one to this day. I'm not sure. Steve Carino also announces he intends to retire once he lost the NWA World Heavyweight title. He would lose the title that December, and surely enough, he did not retire either. Despite going on a retirement tour in 2007, Carino is still is still in the business as of 2016 as a color as a color analyst for Ring of Honor. Speaking of Ring of Honor, 17 years ago today, put it at 2012, Ring of Honor presented Glory by Honor from the Murphy Recreation Center in Philadelphia. 
here are the matches that took place here. Homicide defeated Divine Storm. It was Chris Divine and Quiet Storm. Special K, Dixie and Izzy. And the Spanish announced team, Joel and Jose Maximo, in a tag team scramble match. The backseat boys, Johnny Cashmere and Trent Acid, defeated Homicide and Steve Carino. The Christopher Street Connection, Allison Danger, Buff E, and Mace, defeated Alexis Lurie, who we would know, of course, as Mickey James, also Christian York, and Joey Matthews. Tony Mamaluke defeated James Mariotto. With the win, Mamaluke got the rights to the FBI gimmick. The Amazing Red defeated Ikuto Hidaka. Don Juan and Fast Eddie fought to no contest for the ETV TV title. Steve Carino defeated Rudy Boy Gonzalez in a Texas death match. Low-key defeated Samoa Joe. Prince Nana defeated Elax. Jay Briscoe defeated Xavier. The Carnage Crew, DeVito and Loke, defeated the Hit Squad, Mafia, and Monster Mac in a Philadelphia street fight. Michael Shane defeated Paul London and Spanky, who, of course, I think Spanky was Brian, Brian Kendrick in a three-way elimination match. And Christopher Daniels defeated Doug Williams. Uh, let's see here. See, 15 years ago today, 2004, at SmackDown taping in Boston, Carlos Colon Jr., also known as Carlito, made his WWE TV debut and defeated John Cena to win the United States title. 13 years, 13 years ago today, let's see, let's see, let's see uh, which would be uh, 2006. Antonio Pena, founder of Mexico's top promotion, AAA, sadly died of a heart attack in Mexico City. He was only 55 years old. Born June 13, 1951, as Antonio Hipolito Pena Harada, he grew up in a wrestling family watching his uncle Ponzona compete as El Spectro in the 1950s and 60s. After training under his uncle, Rojas Isaias Rodriguez Antonio Hernandez, as well as Rojas, Isaias Rodriguez, and Tono Hernandez, I should say. He began his wrestling career as El Genio in 1974. Eventually, was, eventually with his father's blessing, Antonio would take on his uncle's persona and began wrestling as El Spectro Jr. His superior technique and psychological tactics would make him one of the top rudos in Mexico in the 1970s, challenging for the welterweight and middleweight championships. In 1980, he took a risk and radically changed his persona again, wrestling as chaos, a sinister Rudo, as spelled, he spelled chaos, K-A-H-O-Z, who would, be, who would invoke dark spirits. He carried live pigeons to the ring and would release them towards his opponent during matches and smear the blood of a pigeon on himself. And of course, and of course, in re, the reality was it was the blood was fake and he didn't really rip pigeons' heads off. So that was just a kind of a scare tactic, I guess. Though Pena would never win a title as Chaos, he was one of the most sought-after wrestlers in all of Mexico. He gave up he gave up the gimmick in 1985 as El Spectro de Ultra Tumba, which means a ghost from beyond the grave, and passed on his Chaos gimmick. Pena would eventually pass on the El Spectro de Ultra Tumba in 1986 to his cousin and eventually retired from full-time competition. He attempted comebacks in 1994 and in 2001. Pena had always had a mind for gimmick storylines and booking, so when he retired, he was hired by Mexican promotion EMLL to work in public relations. Eventually, he would begin writing storylines for the company, and Pena and Juan Herrera would combine to make EMLL the top Mexican promotion in the late 1980s. The promotion would break away from the NWA in 1989 and rebrand themselves as CMLL. Following the rebranding, Herrera and Pena would clash over who, <clears throat> over who the spotlight. Herrera favored the heavyweights, while Pena wanted to go with the younger and faster and smaller, sometimes literally, competitors. In the end, Herrera's philosophy won, and Pena started a booking agency for the Televisa-owned AAA promotion in 1992. Quickly, the promotion flourished with young talent including Ray Jr., Psychosis, Conan, and Los Gringos Locos. New company caught on so quickly, the Universal Wrestling Association, another wrestling promotion out of Mexico, went out of business. At their peak in the mid-1990s, their first Triple Mania, today considered Mexico's equivalent of WrestleMania, drew over 48,000 fans. At the time, a record in Mexico for a wrestling event. 
10 years AAA co-promoted when worlds collide with WCW. <clears throat> co-promoted the, the event when worlds collide with WCW and had a TV show in the United States in August 1994. The foundation of the company's roster fell apart not long after the event. Art Barr, or sadly passed away, and his stable mates in Los Gringos Locos, Eddie Guerrero and Madonna's boyfriend, left the company. Top stars include Rey Mysterio, Psychosis, La Parca, and Juventud Guerrera, among others, relief of WCW, and a downturn in the Mexican economy caused other stars to follow. Pena was AAA event man, meaning he had the final say on all matters in the company. His shocking passing left a void in the company, though his brother-in-law brother and his son had tried to fill it. Several promotions paid tribute to Pena following his death. As of today, and I'm sure I think it's still going on here today as well, AAA holds memorial events every year around this time, highlighted by the Copa Antonio Pena, or the Antonio Pena Cup Tournament. The tournament is the highlight of the heroes of the Immortal Heroes events. AAA held the 10th edition of, uh, of this uh, back during, uh, during this, um, held, it, held it, of course, uh, in two around this time in 2016. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see, 11 years ago today, which would put it at 2008. But yes, WWE presented the final No Mercy event from the Rose Garden in Portland, Oregon, with 9,527 were in attendance, with 261,000 homes watching the event on pay per view. Down slightly from 2007's event of 271,000 buys. In a pre-show dark match, the Colognes, Carlito and Primo, defeated John Morrison and The Miz. As for the remainder of the matches, Matt Hardy defeated Mark Henry to retain the ECW title. Beth Phoenix defeated Candice Michelle to retain the women's title. Rey Mysterio defeated Kane by DQ. Batista defeated JBL. The Big Show defeated The Undertaker by knockout. Triple H defeated Jeff Hardy to retain the WWE title, and Chris Jericho defeated Shawn Michaels in the ladder match to retain the World Heavyweight title. Ten years ago today, we put it at 2009. Yeah, that's right. On Raw from Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, The Miz defeated Kofi Kingston to win the United States title. Also on this day in 2009, at an impact taping at Universal Orlando, Amazing Red defeated Samoa Joe to win the TNA X Division title. Also, let me see here. Five years ago today, put it at 2000. And, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, why? Excuse me, why? Figure, figure, figure this out here. Okay, these dates might be might be might be off here. Just uh, might be off here a, a little bit. So yeah, <clears throat> this, yeah, I think they're off here just a little bitty bit. Uh, let's see, three, let's see two, five, and let's see. Yeah, that's right. On this date in two thousand and fourteen, I don't know. They must have their dates wrong, but I believe it was 2014. At a Lucha Underground taping in Los Angeles, Prince Puma last defeated Johnny Mundo, who of course was known as John Morrison, in Aztec Warfare to become the first Lucha Underground champion. Other participants in alphabetical order were Bale, Big Rick, who is spelled R-Y-C-K, Chavo Guerrero Jr., Cortez Castro, Drago, Phoenix, Ivelisse, King Cuerno, Mariachi Loco, Masquerita Sagrada, Neil Moretes, Mr. Cisco, Pentagon Jr., Pimpinella Escalada, Ricky Mandel, Sexy Star, Son of Havoc, and Superfly. And folks, there you have it with your history. Let's see if we have any. We'll check your birthdays now. Let's see if we have any birthdays. So give me just one. One little second here as we try to get that, get that taken care of here. But we have to switch to another page, folks, to, uh, to check and see if we have any. Let's see here. Uh, yes. Okay. 
Let's see here. Now let's see if we can find some of this here, folks. They is the see. Uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we do have we do have a couple of birthdays to talk about here. Uh, <clears throat> uh, first off, we wish a very happy. Let's see here. Uh, today's a happy fifty third birthday to Terry Reynolds, of course, a former wife of. Uh, Dust of Dustin Rhodes, of course, Gold Dustin. She was also, she was also Marlena as well. If you remember, yes. And also, ladies and gentlemen, we wish a very happy. Uh, let's see, thirty third birthday to Zima Ion today, and we some have some very interesting birthdays to talk about tomorrow. But we'll, we'll, we'll wait till tomorrow to bring those here to your attention. But happy birthdays to Terry Runnels and Zima Ion here today, here folks. Let's give you the phone number one more time here, folks. 1605-562-0444. Caller ID 141364-POUND. This is episode 175 of WWS Power Hour. This is Saturday, October the 5th, 2019. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mr. WWS, Chad Hinshaw, your host here. As we, of course, continue to move forward here, of course, the rest of the panel, we need to have the handle, of course, taking care of other business here today. Uh, but of course, speaking of which, just go ahead and talk about what took place, what was all discussed here during during the during the week here. Of course, obviously, of course, uh, hell in the cell, of course, popping up here on the horizon was a big was a big subject, big topic here, and was one of the big topics here that was talked about here. Uh, of course, obviously, ladies and gentlemen, the season premiere of Monday Night Raw did take place. A lot of shocking things, a lot of shocking things did happen. Of course, on Monday Night Raw, of course, we did see Brock Lesnar. Uh, attack, of course, Ray Mysterio Jr., who was set to wrestle, take on Seth Rollins for the Universal title. But in the process, Brock Lesnar injures him and also Ray's son, Dominic. Uh, <clears throat> but of course, also, we noticed that Rusev did step up to the plate here after it was he, it was announced that at Crown Jewel that that Rusev would, team, would, be, would be a member of of a team uh, coached by Hall of Famer Hulk Hogan, while <clears throat> while of course uh, Rand, while of course Randy Orton and uh, King Corbin would be of course part of the team managed by Hall of Famer Ric Flair. Also at Crown Jewel, a five-on-five match but has been set up for Crown Jewel. Uh, <clears throat> but but of course, like I said here, folks, of course there was a match made later on here tonight. After, of course, uh, Orton and Corbin did double-team Seth Rollins, Rusev came to Seth Rollins' aid. And after it was announced that Rusev would be Seth, would be on Seth Rollins, on Team Hogan at Crown Jewel, that Rusev did put out the challenge to compete for the Universal title, and that match was made. And, ladies and gentlemen, two shocking things did happen during that match on Monday night. We saw that, first off, in the, in the fact that well, three things we should say. Number one, obviously, uh, we saw, of course, Bobby Lashley make his return, uh, of course, to return to WWE. But in the process, ladies and gentlemen, we saw Lana, of all people, come out there with them. And apparently, uh, let's just say that Lashley and Lana were making a little, doing a little console hockey. I don't know if it had anything to do with the situation that had been going on with Maria Canellis. Uh, some rumors have been flying around, even one I just read a few moments ago, saying that one reason Lana decided that why Lana apparently is, is seeming for right now going along with Bobby Lashley is because that Rusev is paying more attention to playing video games than paying attention to her, apparently. So uh, there's been some talk about that. I'm not sure what the full details of that is, but ladies and gentlemen, Apparently that seemed to knock that that seemed to kind of throw Rusev off here in his shot for the Universal title. But in the process, we did also see once again the fiend attack Seth Rollins. Of course, hyping it up here for the big hell in the sound match, of course, we know that will take place, of course, this Sunday. But ladies and gentlemen, Wednesday night was the big night. And of course, they've been talking about this for weeks. We did see, of course, the officially the official two-hour 
debut of NXT on the USA Network. We saw some big matches right off the bat, including they even started right off the bat, folks, with the NXT Championship match pitting Adam Cole, baby, defending the belt against the bro man, Matt Riddle. It was a day from what I've been hearing, the match was was 100% excellent, 100% unique. Adam Cole, of course, did, 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 of course, win in that match. And we also did see, of course, Candice LeRae fall to Shayna Baszler by Shayna retaining the NXT uh, women's title. Uh, but other than that, we did see a lot of great action, of course. Uh, of course, and of course, the reason for all this, ladies and gentlemen, was because of another program that made its debut, of course, on Wednesday night. That being, of course, to the former home, of course, on where we used to watch back in the day. We used to watch, of course, WCW Monday Nitro. Of course, now we got to see the brand new AEW Dynamite. Uh, and of course, they start right off the bat here with a match between Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara. And of course, a whole uh, of course we had a whole lot of action take place here. I mean, and it was downright action just personified here, folks. Uh, we even of course saw hyped up here. Uh, of course, we saw several returns, including of course John Moxley make his return. We even saw Rio in a in a very surprising upset get by Nyla Rose to pick up the AEW Women's Title. Of course, probably Nyla Rose didn't seem too pleased about that situation. We heard what happened there, and of course during then, during, then of course uh, during the six-man tag, of course, pity Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus Jericho and LAX. We saw John Moxley make his return here, and apparently put Kenny Omega put through a plate glass table, and then also in also in the process, we saw while well, we saw the Young Bucks, of course, uh, wrestle very very valiantly. We did hear that we did find out that Jericho and LAX did win that match. But also, ladies and gentlemen, another one that made his contribution here was, of course, his first time in a wrestling ring for, I think, in quite some time here since, of course, leaving. We all remember him, ladies and gentlemen, in the WWE as Jack Swagger, but now he's going by his real name, of course, Jake Hager. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jake Hager is now part of AEW and, of course, is now also a part of apparently a big old, a big stable that's being made here. I think Jericho's involved in it. I think Sammy Guevara, I think, is part of it. Looks like LAX is a part of it, and now it seems Jake Hager is as well. So apparently Jericho is lined, is getting himself lined up here with a bunch of interesting talent there indeed here, folks. So, like I said, be on the lookout here for this. But also last night, ladies and gentlemen, was the ultimate shocker, and that was, of course, when we saw the, when we saw the premiere of SmackDown, of course, returning to Friday night's. But now officially in a, under a new network umbrella, and that is, of course, obviously on Fox. Uh, yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, big time uh, big time action did take place here, no doubt. Uh, of course, actually, we did see The Rock make his return here. Of course, we've seen King Corbin, of course, get uh, talking trash to Becky Lynch. We saw Becky Lynch and The Rock kind of dispose of Baron Corbin. Uh, <clears throat> of course, it was no king in my own personal opinion. Uh, he's just nothing more than that. We've all said it here, ladies and gentlemen. Corbin is nothing more than a big goofball. That's all he is. And I know one of a lot of people do not care for him at all. He's just nothing but a nut, a complete, utter nut, big time. Uh, also here, also here, ladies and gentlemen, we did, we did, of course, uh, we did see, of course, a lot, a lot of other matches hyped up here, including, ladies and gentlemen, we did find out that another match had been added on. To the card for Hell in the Cell, which of course was a rematch between Bailey and Charlotte for the SmackDown Women's Title, uh, and of course, ladies and gentlemen, that actually, believe it or not, only brings the match count for this Sunday's event for tomorrow's event up only to four. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are we are we are uh, we are uh, less than 24 hours away. We are a little more than 24 hours away. From the Hell in Stone event tomorrow night, and we only have four matches scheduled for the show. So uh, I don't know what we can make of this, folks. But like I said, it is, it is, it is pop. It is, of course, uh, unless they're we, we, what we figured. You know, we called this that they were going possibly going to start waiting until after SmackDown was over with before they start announcing matches. They may have some more lined up here. Uh, probably coming up. They're probably going to wait until the day of the show to probably pop up more matches. 
of course, right after, of course, Revolution went off the air last night was when we even got word that there, well, right before it went off, you know, we, we, we right before Revolution went off the air, when we got word of the fourth match being added. And of course, as of right now, nothing else officially has been added on. But like I said, we do officially, just like I said, have four matches officially for the show. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the big time talk here. Uh, talk, and we've been to the hearing for months that Vince McMahon apparently doesn't seem a whole uh, doesn't seem pleased with a lot of superstars who, who have bukus of bukus of talent who are of course the cream of the crop here of course in pro wrestling today regardless of wherever they're wrestling there are a lot of great talent out there but like I said here ladies and gentlemen Vince McMahon doesn't seem too highly on a lot of them he's been talking about burying a lot of these people and ladies and gentlemen one that he even of course we even heard right in before of course, we were, it was hinted this before he even won the, the WWE title at WrestleMania was apparently Kofi Kingston. And, of course, as you know, ladies and gentlemen, from back at WrestleMania, ever since WrestleMania, Kofi Kingston had been on a dynamite roll here, had been, had been right, had been holding on the clouds here, holding on to that prestigious WWE title, defending it in any, every turn, just the way a title should be done here, ladies and gentlemen, without a question of a doubt, Kofi has been simply just doing what they've been told, doing simply what should be done. And like I said, defending one of the oldest championships of all time. But ladies and gentlemen, apparently we, they seem to think that WWE, they seem to give us the WWE fans a black eye. And of course, they being, of course, people involved with the management of WWE, of course, pretty much Vincent Mann himself, who, who hasn't, I don't think he's been actually been thinking very, very clearly at all. Uh, for for the longest time. I mean, that's why we've been starting to see cracks in the foundation of WWE, you know, and of course, also with this, with, with of course, this old thing, the last few months, ever since it was talked about, you know, AEW, of course, coming up on the horizon, I think Mr. Man has pretty much been biting his fingernails here and there, been trying to think about different ways he can do to kind of save his company, try to save his show, save his reputation. And pretty much his reputation is shot, ladies and gentlemen. And I think really he was going, he was just pretty much, he was just pretty much going, going in on borrowed time whenever this decision was made. That in less than 10 seconds, ladies and gentlemen, a la the first WrestleMania from, from back in 85, when we saw King Kong Bundy squash, literally squash special delivery Jones in nine seconds. I mean, that was pretty much a repeat of this. From a, from a long time ago, this was a repeat of this. And we saw Brock Lesnar pretty much, and it meant the bell rang. Lesnar was on top of Kofi Kingston. Boom, F5. Brock Lesnar picks up the WWE title and made the entire WWE universe a bunch of fools. I mean, simply put, a bunch of fools. Taking it away, taking the belt away from a very worthy superstar, from a, from a man who had been fighting very, very hard. For 11 years and all that, and only gave him, and only gave him a, a run of about. Let's see, let's see. This is October, uh, and this was and he won the belt back in April. A six-month run, ladies and gentlemen, with the WWE title. Wouldn't hadn't hadn't given him no, wouldn't give him the longest time, because this man does not does not does not believe apparently in miracles. And Kofi Kingston was the ultimate miracle that WWE had, and that really kind of, that really kind of, to a degree, kind of helped WWE get by through a lot of all this involving AEW. But now, ladies and gentlemen, it seems that that is no longer the case, as of course Brock Lesnar pretty much, and pretty much didn't win the belt, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what they're saying. That's what they're saying out there right now. He screwed Kofi Kingston. He screwed the. And he pretty much screwed the WWE fans by taking that belt away or taking that belt off of Kofi Kingston. And ladies and gentlemen, as you know, of course, this past Monday night's this past Monday night's Raw show, and of course, possibly this win on SmackDown last night had Paul Heyman written right all over it. I'm sure probably Heyman had a hand in this. I'm sure probably Brock had a hand in this. Either saying you don't let me win the belt or something like that, then then I'm going. I, you're not going. Uh, you know that I'm going to leave, or he might might he probably have threatened to leave. Or so I don't know. But of course, apparently Brock Lesnar has had Vincent Man in the entire WWE by the balls for quite some time, and 
And pretty much, like I said, what was started out as a very decent show, the only thing that really saved that was what happened at the end of it when King Velasquez, who we've been talking about here for a long time, here just recently, and we say as the reason why uh, Ray Mysterio, you know, that they did the Ray that, that did the angle with Brock Lesnar attacking Ray Mysterio and his son on on uh, on Raw Monday night was because there were times when there were Kane Velasquez in, in, of course, the WWE. And, of course, Kane Velasquez has been given offers to not only WWE, but, of course, as I read before, to even uh, AEW and even also in uh, New Japan. So, I mean, like I said, even AAA. So, I mean, we don't know where Kane Velasquez is going to fight next. And I've got to say he's still employed by UFC right now. So, I'm not sure where he's going. But somewhere down the line, ladies and gentlemen, you better believe that uh, that of course with the fact that Kane and also and Brock also have a history dating back to nine years ago, which they wait I don't know why they wait this long to do this, to 2010, whenever Velasquez defeated Brock Lesnar for the UFC title back in the day. See, that's what that was another purpose behind this. So, like you said, ladies and gentlemen, the WWE universe, us wrestling fans, you know, trying to make us look stupid, trying to make us look like uh complete morons, complete idiots, you know, that's not the case. The WWE Universe, the wrestling universe, the wrestling fans are not as, are, are not naive, are not stupid. They know what's going on. Vince McMahon and all of them are, 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 are thinking that we're very gullible enough to buy anything and we're not. And like I said, ladies and gentlemen, even Vince McMahon, I hope you're listening to this. Because my people, like I said, are not, are, are, like I said, been true blue diehard wrestling fans for a very long time, some longer than others, including myself. We are not going to be into any more shenanigans that you're, that you're pulling. NXT right now gave us a real good run and did give AEW a good handle, even though AEW uh, beat you in the ratings. And yes, you did. You did give as a, as a sign, as, as a very nice gesture. You did give, of course, <clears throat> of course, uh, you know, AEW a good congratulations on a on on their on their of course first part of the, of the success. So, <clears throat> however, like I said, Vince McMahon, what you simply just need to do right now, you no longer have the capability, you no longer have the courage, you no longer have the strength, you no longer have the balls. To handle anything that the wrestling world is throwing at you, all you need to simply do is just to is is just is just, is just you know pack up your things, get in your limousine, and go home and go sit and watch the lake. Because, like I said, you have pretty much kind of pretty much kind of destroyed a lot of, of true blue wrestling talent. That's why you don't have half of them anymore. That's why even AEW is in existence. It's because people like you are manipulating their careers. And it's about time, you know, some it's about time someone did stand up to you. And Cody and company and AEW did on Wednesday night. And they even did that back in May with Double or Nothing. They did that with the all-in pay-per-view, the all-out pay-per-view. And they even did it, of course, like I said, with the, the debut of Dynamite, like I said, this past Wednesday night. So like I said, Vince. You're pretty much, you're pretty much done. You are pretty, you're pretty much, you're pretty much done. You just need to simply pack up and leave, put it in the hands of people who actually have much, um, who are now, like I said, who have a much more clear point of view of how to do things. Leave it in the hands of Triple H. Leave it in the hands of your daughter Stephanie. I mean, like I said, glad we're all glad Shane's gone. Triple H and Stephanie. At this juncture, in the past, I have not, I have not been, like I said, real big fans of them together. You know, in the past when they did the, the, the McMahon Helmsley regime, but like I said, right now, like I said, Triple H is much more seasoned. He's much more mature. He's much more. He's much. He, he is a. I do respect the man for what he for what he's been doing. He has brought NXT to a great big time level. And we're glad to see that. And that's what WWE needs right now. And he, the main roster needs to take a 
lesson from your young talent. And Vince, you're you're just too blind to really see that right now at this time. So if you want to step, if you want to, you know, react to that in any certain way, you go on right ahead. But it's like I said, I mean, a lot of the wrestling fans kind of feel the same way I do. WWE is about to go six feet under, and you're the one that's actually getting ready to shovel the dirt into the grave. That's your own creation. It's kind of like you're doing the old mentality. I created this, and and you know whatever I create, I can I can I can destroy. The product is still good, Vince. Right now, it's just a bad apple in the bunch. And his name is and his name is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. So just just be on your toes because AEW is not going to give you the fight. This is going to give you your worst beating that you've had here ever, ever since the ever since the of course. WCW and ECW kicked your butt back in the day. So so just be off, just be prepared for that. That's all I gotta say. So that ladies and gentlemen, there's your rundown of what of course took place here, or what took place here in the radio network here, of course, this past week. And now let's get you a, let's get you up to date here on a couple of quick stories before we leave the air here tonight. And I'm not sure what sort of updates we have, what we'll have, but I will let you know here, folks. We do thank our friends at 411mania.com for allowing us here in the WWS radio network to read their stories on all of our shows here in the radio network. <clears throat> and that is, of course, including Revolution, Wolfpack, Raw Radio, Outside the Ropes, Power Hour, WWS This Morning, and other shows, which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, WWS This Morning will take place sometime between 8 and 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Uh, and <clears throat> we will keep you informed about that as to as of course we'll be doing like i said a quick few moments of that and which we'll talk about tomorrow's wrestling history and birthdays and of course a preview um <clears throat> as, as a quick a quick preview of course of our prediction show of course tomorrow special edition of revolution of course uh <clears throat> Tomorrow afternoon at tomorrow evening at five o'clock, one three eight zero five five pound. With our live video feed, of course, WWS Network News. So be sure to join us there for that. Uh, now let's get, and let's go ahead and get you a couple of quick stories here before, before we uh, before we get underway here. Uh, Joseph Lee brings us a first story here. As apparently there's a, another match rumored for WWE Crown Jewel, and apparently that match seems to be Brock Lesnar taking on Kane Velasquez. It's been rumored, even though it's not confirmed, but it's been rumored. After his debut on last night's Friday Night SmackDown, Cain Velasquez already has his first match in WWE, for the WWE, and it's for the WWE title. F4WOnline.com reports that the former UFC heavyweight champion will challenge WWE champion Brock Lesnar for the title of Crown Jewel in, in Rodea, Saudi Arabia on October 31st. Velasquez came out last night along with Randy Gaudet and Mysterio brought him to the as revenge for Lesnar's attack on him and his son Dominic on Raw, Devin reportedly offered a huge money deal to make the match happen, but it's, out, it's unknown how long Velasquez has signed for. WWE has yet to confirm the match, but with the show at the end of the month, an announcement should be made one way or the other soon. Dave Meltzer added on Wrestling Over Radio that if it's not Crown Jewel, then more than likely it will be next year at WrestleMania. So if they wait this long here, they're going to make it. This thing's probably going to end up dying here very, very soon. Uh, a couple more quick stories here we'll bring you. Uh, the story came out yesterday here from Jeremy Thomas. An update here about talking about here about Edge possibly returning to the ring. Edge is seemingly denying that he's cleared for a WWE return. And this story came from Jeremy, like I said, from Jeremy Thomas. Let's go ahead and read this story right fast. An update right here. So that whole rumor about Edge being cleared, hold that thought. The rated R superstar himself took to Twitter, not directly commenting specifically on any report, but stating simply, no, I'm not, and no, I'm not. So pretty much, ladies and gentlemen, at this point in time, um, it seems right now that at this point in time that he's not uh, um, that right, right now he's not he's going to 
that um, he's not. It's kind of probably in the same boat, possibly with Steve Austin. I don't know, but but more than likely he's not going to come back and, and and wrestle at all. So, because you know he got injured, you know, a few years ago, and he had to retire. He had really had no choice but to retire. One more quick story here, of course, following up on a story that we did mention here before. An update right here from Jeremy Thomas. WWE issues a statement after Jeff Hardy was arrested for alleged DWI. WWE issued their usual statement to be the PW Insider following word of Jeff Hardy's arrest for alleged DWI, and they pretty much said Jeff Hardy is responsible for his own personal actions. The original story was, of course, was arrested for allegedly driving while impaired. PW Insider did confirm with the Moore County Police Department that Hardy was arrested yesterday evening and charged. He was released around uh, he was released around 11, uh, 11, 11.30 p.m. I think, not, I think it was might have been Thursday night, I believe. No more details were available, but the police department cited it as an ongoing investigation. Hardy has been away from WWE due to a leg injury suffered in April. He was arrested for public intoxication back in July. So... So, folks, right now, as I said, WWE, the only thing WWE pretty much is all they're saying at this point is, like I said, Jeff Hardy is responsible for his own actions. So, we hope Jeff Hardy, of course, get back, uh, gets, gets back up and going here. We, we, we hope and pray, of course, like I said, this comes out, you know, comes out, comes back to be a very big time situation, a big time uh, event, indeed. On that note, here, folks, I want to thank you for episode 175 of WWS Power Hour. Of course, Mr. WWS Chad Hinshaw here saying thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, like we said, this tomorrow night at our evening, excuse me, at five o'clock will be our prediction show for WWE 2019. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, as as we did report here, we did have three matches here, of course, while we were during Revolution, but of course, prior to Revolution going on the air. And I do thank the human suplex machine, John Gross, for and also the Iceman, Jared DiGeralmo, for bringing this to our attention, that there was a fourth match added on here. Of course, I guess right after SmackDown went off the air last night, there will be a SmackDown Women's Championship matchup pitting the Bailey, Bailey will defend the belt against Charlotte Flair. And, of course, we did, we did add predictions here from JD, from John, and from Fonzie uh, last night here on this. Um, of course, um, as far as our prediction title challenge is concerned, JD, John, Michelle, Fonzie, Bobby, and Danny are going to be in the mix here for this. I still will need to get predictions for this latest match from Michelle and Bobby, and I will need to get predictions, of course, from Danny. The belts have, I have not officially decided what belts he used in this match for this prediction title challenge. But like I said, folks, some of the belts I, may, I mentioned last night may be used, but right now I'm not saying anything as of yet until, like I said, until, like I said, we uh, we get we have it. We uh, of course uh, <clears throat> until probably tomorrow. And I would make that. I will be making that decision between now and of course uh, before five o'clock p.m. tomorrow tomorrow evening before our prediction show. Will everybody know what belts will be up for grabs in this? So as far as we know, the Empress Anne Marie Rickenbach apparently was not going to take part, and we did not hear from anybody else stepping up here to the plate. But of course, obviously. Um, if we do, like I said, I will, I will report that during our prediction show, either between tomorrow morning on WWS this morning and, or of course, um, our prediction show tomorrow evening, tomorrow afternoon at five o'clock, of course, as we said, at five, our special edition of WWS revolution, uh, our live video feed will be from WWS network news. We pretty much will just go through all the matches here that will take place. Of course, it, it may be a short prediction show with the number of matches, Unless any more are added on, but we'll keep everybody up to date here as best as we possibly can once we hear some more here from either myself or the Iceman, the Human Suplex Machine, or anybody that, of course, uh, gets word to us. We will keep every, we will keep everybody informed here of what will take place. In the meantime here, folks, we thank you very much for listening to 175 of Power Hour, and we'll be back here, of course, tomorrow morning with WWS this morning and tomorrow evening with a special edition of Revolution at 5 o'clock for our Hell in a Cell prediction show. Power Hour episode 175 is a broadcast of the WWS radio network. 
right here on TalkShoe.com, where we are, of course, four years older and continuing to be bolder. Radio Network continues to be and will forever remain your wrestling and pop culture connection. Folks, take care of yourselves and each other. We will definitely see you in the ring and as always, and also on the red carpet. And as always, here in the WWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoe.com. God bless everyone. Continue to enjoy your weekend. And if we don't hear from you, of course, at our prediction show tomorrow, if you plan on checking out Hell in a Cell tomorrow, please uh, uh, please enjoy what they have available. and hope they'll have more matches lined up. Uh, but in the long run here, folks, <clears throat> uh, uh, be sure, like I said, like, like I said, please enjoy the rest of your weekend with whatever you're doing here, of course. And we'll talk to you, of course, here tomorrow morning with WWS this morning. Of course, it'll be a short program, but of course, it'll be right at the door on, on your keeping you up to date here right before you go into Sunday services, of course, or any other church activities. Since 2015, you're a source for everything in the, for everything in the world of pop, pro wrestling, pop culture, and everything in between. This is the WCWS Radio Network. Have a good weekend. Take care and God bless. We'll talk at you tomorrow. Have a great evening. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.